Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Is that possible? It could be. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen? It is possible. He has. Not only Senator Kennedy. Oh, my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. And another man, a Kennedy campaign manager, and possibly shot in the head. I am right here. Rayford Johnson has a hold of a man who apparently has fired the shot. That's it, Rayford. Get it. Get the gun, Rayford. Okay, now hold on to the guy. Hold on to him. Hold on to him, ladies and gentlemen. Hold him. Hold him. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rayford. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rayford. Keep people away from him. Keep people away from him. We don't want another Oswald. Wow. Shortly after midnight, June the 5th, 1968, Robert F. Kennedy was declared the winner of the Democratic presidential primary in California. He gave a short victory speech in a packed ballroom, then walked through the hotel pantry toward a news conference. Witnesses say that Sirhan Sirhan moved forward, began firing a 22 caliber gun, striking Kennedy and five others. One shot entered Kennedy's brain. He died a day later. Sirhan was tackled immediately and arrested. A jury convicted him in 1969, and all appeals were rejected. I am reading from some of the reporting from Tom Jackman of The Washington Post. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter who covers criminal justice locally and nationally. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for being here. Sure. That was one powerful recording, man. That that really captured it. I, you know what? I'll, believe, I'll, I'll bet that many who are listening across the country never heard it and, and probably need a primer on RFK as well as the gunman who killed him. Oof. Wow. Uh, where do we start? So RFK uh, had been the attorney general uh, under his brother, uh, left uh, the administration, and then was elected senator of New York. He was a New York senator. And then people started urging him to run in 1968, and he initially declined. Then LBJ said, I'm not going to run. Uh, Eugene McCarthy took the lead in the primaries, along with Hubert Humphrey. Uh, and then Kennedy said in the spring of 68, all right, I will run, and started entering primaries uh, with the thought that he could uh, you know, get enough delegates to uh, capture the presidency at the convention, if it was a contested convention. 
And is so, it fair to and say that political was, observers ahead, think that he is it fair to say that political observers think even though he got in late, but with wind at his sails from California, that he probably would have been able to pull that off? A lot of people think that. Absolutely. There are some who have written to me to say, you can't say that. He wouldn't have beaten Humphrey. But uh, right. a lot of folks think that he would have beaten Humphrey. I tend to agree with those folks because he had the momentum. Uh, he was, you know, he was part of the Kennedy family, which was beloved. And, uh, you know, he he could have done it. So Sirhan Sirhan, who is he? Who was he then? He uh, grew up, he was born in Jerusalem, which was part of Palestine when he was born in 1944, and his family uh, was forced out when the Zionists took over Palestine and made it into Israel in 1948. And so his family eventually emigrated to the U.S. and wound up in Pasadena, which is where he went to high school and community college. And that's where he was sort of, he had dropped out of community college uh, one of his sisters had uh, slowly died of leukemia, so he had taken care of her. She died. He was sort of scuffling. He was working as a stable boy uh, at a horse ranch and had taken a bad fall and it was off from doing that. And then uh, he shows up at this rally, uh, which he says he went there. He says he originally went down to downtown L.A. because he thought there was going to be a march in favor of Israel and arming Israel in its battles uh, back in 1968, but he had the date wrong. It was a week later. Then he heard that there was a political rally of a candidate uh, running for something else, and he knew the candidate's daughter. So he thought, oh, I'll go there and see if I can find her. But the rally was dead, but there was a giant rally going on for Kennedy in which not only the ballroom where he gave the speech was full, but there was another ballroom directly below that, which was also full with people expecting or hoping to see Bobby Kennedy that night. There was just gigantic enthusiasm for him back then. So this is this is not a case of of Hinckley tracking Reagan. Uh, there is indications that that Sirhan had been to earlier to other uh, Kennedy rallies. And there are some who think that Sirhan had showed up at a Kennedy campaign office asking for a schedule. I think he denies that. I don't think that he denies that he had been to earlier uh, Kennedy rallies. So it wasn't quite as much as Hinckley, but there was some of that. Tom, I didn't realize until I read your reporting about the recent events, which we'll get to in just a moment, that there was disagreement within the family. And, you know, RFK Jr. has been in the news more recently for for his vax his anti-vax positions i didn't recognize that that he'd come out in 2018 and said that he thought sirhan sirhan had not killed his father that's right so uh i'm doing sort of a 50th anniversary piece on all of this and got him on the phone and i don't want to say out of the blue but somehow he decided to tell me that in december of 2017 he'd gone to Sirhan in prison in San Diego and met with him for several hours and told him, I don't think you killed my father. And he had, RFK Jr. had been schooled in this by Paul Schrade, who uh, was a United Auto Workers leader in 1968, was on the dais with uh, Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy actually reached over and grabbed his hand to thank him. There's a picture of that. And then he's walking behind Kennedy in the pantry, and he gets shot with a bullet that grazes his forehead but knocks him down. Uh, and so Schrade 
you know, initially believes Sirhan is the killer. He testifies at the trial, and then he examines the evidence, and starting in the 1970s, he comes to the belief that Sirhan did not fire the fatal shots. And for the next almost 40 years now, he has helped campaign to uh, convince people that Sirhan is not the assassin, and along the way, he convinced Bobby Kennedy Jr. of that. Wow. And I've buried the lead. The reason that I'm having a conversation with Tom Jackman from The Washington Post about this case is that Sirhan Sirhan now is in the process of being paroled. As we speak, he's still behind bars. There are other steps that need to unfold. But can you help us understand what exactly is the current posture of this case? So he uh, he was originally sentenced to death, and then when California abolished the death penalty for a time in the 70s, he was resentenced to life with possibility of parole and was told as early as 1975 that he was eligible for parole, probably in 1986. And so he has had 15 parole hearings where he's been denied. And this time, uh, last Friday, the 27th of 2021, August... 27, uh, a two-person panel examined him and found that he's 77, he's been in prison for 53 years, he's had a clean, completely clean record for 40 years, he's survived cancer, he got his throat slashed and survived that in 2019, he appears remorseful, he still doesn't exactly take credit for uh, everything at this point because he's been hearing from these folks telling him, you know, you may not have killed this guy. So he left a little wiggle room there, and the parole commissioners were slightly troubled by that, and they've been troubled by that in previous hearings. But uh, they recommended to the full parole board that he be released. So the full parole board has 120 days, or four months, uh, to consider that. And uh, and then it goes to the governor, whoever the governor of California will be four months from now. And the governor can reverse it or uphold it or send it back and tell him to rethink it. And so... And, Tom, a large, a, large, a large part of this story is also the fact that the L.A. County District Attorney, George Gaston, didn't have representation at this and has not been having representation at similar hearings, right? That is correct. He came into office in December and this and immediately issued this directive as one of his uh, progressive policies, which are being actively challenged by his own prosecutors in court now. This one is, we will not appear at these hearings. This is not an area that we know about. We don't know what his behavior's been in prison. We don't know if he's been rehabilitated. We don't know if he's remorseful. And just going in there and pounding our fist on the table to say this crime was bad is not the role of a prosecutor years and years after the conviction. Whether or not you agree with that policy, that's the policy. And they stuck to it here. The policy does say we will also write a letter uh, on behalf of the uh, prisoner, and they declined to do that, uh, I think, as sort of a nod to the Kennedys. I, I read a, uh, an essay that was published in the L.A. Times by Maxwell Taylor Kennedy, another of RFK's children, uh, in vehement opposition to the release of Sirhan Sirhan. He concludes, by the way, saying, because of Sirhan, we never got to live out the better history. He killed my father for supporting Israel. And the mere thought of Sirhan returning to Palestine, where he may be cheered for his crime, is sickening. I commit myself to doing everything within my power to stop his release. So 
do you know, is it only RFK Jr. among the children who are advocating for Sirhan Sirhan, or are there others? No, it looks like it's a split of three and six, three in favor of the parole and six opposed. So in a somewhat of a surprise thing, in addition to RFK Jr., Douglas Kennedy, who works for Fox News, uh, showed up in this hearing on Friday, and he spoke in favor of parole. And he said, this is the first time I've seen you. You know, he's face-to-face on a Zoom call with uh, Sirhan. And, you know, I think if you've spent your time in prison and you are remorseful and rehabilitated, I don't oppose it. And so it's him, Bobby Kennedy Jr., and then Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, the former lieutenant governor of Maryland, uh, told me in 2018 that she supported the call for a reinvestigation of the case, and then she did not sign the letter that was issued Friday night by the other six surviving Kennedy children. There are nine surviving Kennedy children. Six of them issued a letter 10 o'clock Friday night Eastern Time saying, uh, we vehemently, adamantly oppose parole for this man, saying some of the things that Max said in that L.A. Times piece. And uh, and Carrie Kennedy told me that they are going to uh, fight this every step of the way. And so presumably that means going to uh, the full parole board next to try to stop it before it gets out of there. Ethel Kennedy is with us, true? She is, uh, and uh, she has not made her views public I asked Bobby Kennedy Jr. what she thought, and he said nobody talks to her about it. Uh, and but uh, my understanding is she's still, you know, well and you know thoughtful. And she did not sign the letter uh, from Friday night, uh, so I I don't know what her view is. I wonder how long before this gets, and maybe it's already happening and I'm out of the loop, but how long until this becomes one of the issues in the new call, in the Newsom recall and the elder situation playing itself out in California? I wondered about that. But the recall, so the recall ends on September 14, so it won't make it to the governor's office until long after that. Uh, now, if he gets recalled, and I don't know the details of this, he doesn't leave the office the next day, right? He stays in there for a while. Uh, so, but I don't know if he would stay until, you know, December 27 or whatever 120 days is from Friday. Uh, so, but it, you know, it could be. I mean, I think that somebody could, could. And I asked his people on Friday if he'd made a decision on this or what he would do, and they said, "Well, we'll look at it when we get it." So I, it, I think it yeah, could be an issue be if somebody forced. wanted to say, hey, yeah. Gavin, what are you going to do sure. with this Kennedy case? Sure. Yeah, I would think I would think that he'll be forced to stake out a position on this. Hey, Tom, that was excellent reporting. Is there any other aspect of this that you want to share before you leave us that you find curious or you think the audience would find of interest? Well, the whole concept of did Sir Hand do it, which is a new one to most people. It was certainly new to me in 2018 is based largely on the fact that Bobby Kennedy was shot at point-blank range four times in the back, including the one that killed him. There's powder burns on his hair from the gun being so close to him, and Sirhan is in front of him, never gets close enough to shoot point-blank shots at him. And Paul Schrade, the guy I mentioned before, who was shot standing behind Kennedy, believes that he was shot by Sirhan, but that Sirhan did not fire the shots that killed RFK. Okay, one last question. Rayford Johnson. I haven't I haven't heard that name for a long, long time. Is he still with us? 
I don't think so. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, and to be clear, so Rayford Johnson and, and the great Olympic decathlete and, and Rosie Greer were both in the pantry, but after the shots had been fired, they were actually with Ethel. <clears throat> Ethel Kennedy is following the group into the pantry, but she's behind it. When the shots are fired, it's hotel employees that initially slam Sirhan's arm and hand down, and they claim that he's firing shots wildly off of a table uh, while they're trying to get the gun away from him. That's when Rosie Greer and Rafer Johnson uh, jump onto the pile, and you could hear that radio guy who also has rushed into the room, and he says, yeah, Rafer, get the gun. And here's a slightly funny thing about all of that, funny in quotes, is that Rafer Johnson does wind up with the gun, and he takes it home. I'm like, I'm going to keep this gun oh safe. It's not immediately oh handed to the cops. Somebody wow. calls him and says, hey, Rafer, bring the gun back. And he brings the gun back. Holy sp- And this was all at the ambassador, which no longer exists. True? So Paul Schrade, the ambassador got knocked down, and Paul Schrade got a school built on that site in L.A., which is now a, a, the RFK school of some sort. He's involved in running it. He brings in people to speak to the kids. There's this giant artwork there. Uh, so there is a school on the site of the Ambassador Hotel uh, dedicated to Bobby Kennedy that Paul Schrade helped get put there. Tom, that is one hell of a story and well told okay. by you. Thank you so, so Thanks, much. Man. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you. Tom Jackman of The Washington Post is a Pulitzer Prize winner. He covers criminal justice locally and nationally. I'm tempted to say, as Paul Harvey would say, and now you know the rest of the story, only there's a lot more of the story still to unfold. Wow. It's not just the clean, okay, he's 77, he served a long, long time, he's been clean for the last 40 years, therefore, are you open to the idea of parole? No, there's also now, it's almost like it's, it's, it's more cued by RFK Jr. saying he's not the guy. That makes it even more complicated. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.